0: Before we get to the show, did you know you can get more insights just like the ones you're listening to right here on Seeking Wisdom deliver right to your inbox? Sign up to get my weekly newsletter. It's called The One Thing at Drift.com slash DC. And we're back. We're brought to you today by whatever products happen to be in Adam's hair.
1: It's a lot. That's many products.
0: (laughs) And if you can't see his hair, that's because you're not subscribed to our YouTube page on the YouTubes. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube so you can see Adam's hair. Make sure to click on the notification bell so you get notified about every new podcast uh, before all your friends do. What are we talking about, young Adam?
1: We're talking about the things you wish you knew when you were younger. And Mm -hmm. this one is, I mean, really excited about this one. Mm -hmm. It's seek arbitrage opportunities, invest Mm -hmm. when others won't, hold back Mm -hmm. when others are greedy.
0: How would you define the word arbitrage to make sure we're all on the same page?
1: So this is uh, why I'm so excited about this one. Because Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. when I first hear arbitrage, I start thinking about, Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy clicks on Google and I'm going to (laughs) sell something and there's a spread. And I don't think that's what this is about. I think mm-hmm. this is about finding kind of bigger mm-hmm. opportunities to be contrarian and right and mm-hmm. finding kind of the arbitrage that others aren't seeing. I don't think this is just a math game of, no, you know, how you get clicks.
0: So the definition on Wikipedia, and I oh, don't know. Here we go. It, Wikipedia is, Arbitrage is defined as this. In economics and finance, arbitrage is the practice of taking advantage of a price difference between two or more markets, striking a combination of matching deals that capitalize upon the imbalance, the profit being the difference between the market price which at which the unit is traded. Obviously, that is the financial definition for arbitrage. The way that I think about arbitrage is it's basically opportunity. Right. So it is this opportunity that you have and this, you know, disproportionate opportunity that you have because of how they said it, this imbalance in systems. There's some sort of imbalance that's leading you. And this imbalance, as you believe in market theory, over time, as more people discover the imbalance, the imbalance will be averaged out right? So it's like a temporary imbalance in the system and whatever system you're operating in that gives you this ability to profit and profit can be defined in any way. And so when I think about arbitrage and most of our, you know, the, most of the people that listen to this podcast are, you know, in the marketing, sales, business kind of context and marketing, I think about arbitrage kind of similar to what you were thinking about Google AdWords and uh, Facebook ads and all this stuff, advertising based systems, because advertising-based systems are a great example of an arbitrage-based system. Why? Because you're paying X for, you're looking for imbalances in the system, because let's say you're paying a dollar for a click, but you are paying a dollar for a click because you believe that you convert a certain percentage of those dollars into $5, let's say on the other side, or $10, a $100, or $2, whatever economics are. And so that's the only reason that you would pay for Anything in an advertising based system because you believe that there's an arbitrage opportunity for you to convert that in one market into profit on the other side of the market. That's why advertising systems work. And the, you know, arbitrage opportunities are super important in the business sense and in the marketing sense because, you know, we always say that you have to, if you're a marketer, you know, you are one, you know, trying to first understand how people make decisions and and appeal to them and get them to care, creating the hook, creating the emotional connection, creating the reason for them, the why behind why they should take action. And then you're using some sort of, Arbitrage based system doesn't have to be advertising. Could be lead convert, uh, you know, capturing leads, doing whatever to create profit for your business. And so it's a super important term. And you know, arbitrage opportunities are interesting. They are disproportionate in um, markets that are. Undiscovered. And so you always want to be looking for undiscovered markets, undiscovered pockets, undiscovered niches, because that's where the big arbitrage opportunities are. And, you know, what happens, though, in most businesses is that they, they look for arbitrage in perfect markets and massive markets. And in those markets, they, by the time you can identify those things, the arbitrage has been removed out of those systems. And so it's a super important term. How do you think about arbitrage, young Adam?
1: Similar. I mean, I think, yeah, the, there's some kind of qualitative part of this that isn't just looking at the spread. Like when I mm-hmm. hear you talk about it and when I hear, you know, the, you have this monger, you say this is a mongerism, right? The, this whole invest when others won't and hold yes. back when others are greedy, right? There's, mm-hmm. And I think the difference between that and sort of the short term kind of spread optimization is time frame. Mm-hmm. So the way I think about it in when I hear you talk about it is like, okay, I'm really looking for arbitrage on a long time scale that mm-hmm. will last because there's mm-hmm. lots of places where there might be a little bit of arbitrage, but then it's mm-hmm. a very fast race to the bottom. And it's like, now that's gone. That spread is gone. And those aren't really the opportunities that I think are good or that we want to yeah. be looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so have you ever heard of Munger talking about this idea of be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others... Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think about that? What comes
1: to mind? Well, history proves that to be pretty true if you look at his domain of stock market, (laughs) right? If you had pushed a bunch in when uh, peak fear on COVID, Mm -hmm. right, you would have made a lot of money
0: yeah and we've seen that in other you know other financial markets you know that people might be participating whether it's the housing market you know when bubbles are rising the cryptocurrency market the you know obviously the stock market those are easy places to see it but they it also exists inside of your business and so I always say like from a marketing, because when I talk to marketers, this is not marketing specific, when I talk to marketers, I'm like, you should always be on the hunt for new. It doesn't mean you need to participate in all of them, but you should always be evaluating new channels or channels that have fallen out of favor, because those are where you can find big arbitrage opportunities. That's where you can find... Big opportunities because others are for some reason, as Munger said, fearful of those markets. They're usually fearful in a marketing sense because they're messy. They might involve a lot of manual work. And so, you know, they may be subscale. So they're not at scale yet. You know, they may be unproven. And so like, because of all of those reasons, they may, they may be out of favor. And so they don't think about those areas anymore because of all of those reasons that people are fearful of it. That's why there is arbitrage there versus where you may be spending all of your energy today. If you were that same marketer, which is like on, let's say Google AdWords, which you mentioned or Facebook ads or whatever, but like the arbitrage in Google ads, AdWords was, you know, in 2004. 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. you know, seven. I mean, it's been, it's the arbitrage in most categories, most keywords has just been, you know, wrung out of those systems. It doesn't mean that you can't convert dollars there into more dollars on your end. It just means that there's very small margins and very, very small opportunities there that exist there anymore versus maybe, I don't know if TikTok even has advertising or, you know, clubhouse, clubhouse or yeah. one of these things. Like that's where you may find like, arbitrage opportunities. Doesn't mean that it'll, it'll work. It doesn't mean that they'll ever reach massive scale or have a massive impact in your business, but you always have to have an eye out for those because that's where you can find the big bump.
1: What are some of the arbitrage opportunities you saw or have seen in building Drift that have proven to work out?
0: <laughs> I think in the early days, one of them was, you know, they, they were all the things. And we wrote a free book, which is called This One Scale. It's available on the Drift dot com website you have to go find it i don't remember the link go find it it's free and it has i believe 52 plays that we used in the early days of drift to build a brand build a following build a customer base without spending money on advertising those are the things that worked and i've reviewed that recently I have a copy of it actually on that table over there. i should have brought it for this and they are still entirely relevant and will still work today so a lot of them, a lot of things that we did in the early days were things that were manual, things where, you know, in terms of reaching manual thing we would do is, you know, one-to-one, we would say one hand-to-hand combat. We would reach out to people one at a time. We would try to build a following one person at a time because we thought that's how we could build personal relationships with people. It would be memorable because no one else was doing it and uh, other people in our category or in our in our world would avoid doing it because of the manual nature of it. Uh, we invested heavily in this idea of building a brand when no one else was talking about that. We invested heavily in the idea of building a category. Again, no one was talking about it at the time. Now, if you go on LinkedIn, everyone's talking about brand building and category building and all this kind of stuff. Not because of us, just because of what we spotted was that we were a point in the cycle, especially in software, where to stand out, you would need a brand to build a brand because there are thousands of alternatives in every category. So, you know, it's just the same lesson that we learned in history from consumer packaged goods companies uh, was going to happen here in software. And so because of that, we invested heavily. Those are huge arbitrage opportunities for us that we invested in. None of them had to do with paid advertising or any of that. I don't think we have ever found many useful kind of paid approaches to marketing arbitrage.
1: Just as maybe a like mini case study and thinking about how you decided that brand building in B2B, right, Mm -hmm. was this arbitrage opportunity. What was it? What were the signals that you saw out in the world that made you think there was an imbalance there that you could capitalize on?
0: Well, I felt the, you know, being someone who has been in the SaaS world since 2000. So back when there was not no term called SaaS. You know, we called it selling e- uh, software via e-commerce on the internet. So that that was a mouthful and no one knew what that was to today gave me the perspective to understand that we had gone from a world where there were very few people doing what we do in terms of building any type of software, SaaS based software online, very few people in the world to everyone in the world being able to build it, everyone in the world being able to copy. And that was the case in 2015 when we started Drift, like we were just looking at every given, if you were to look at every given category of type of software, I would see tens, hundreds of companies in there. And the rate at which new companies were entering was blinding, it was a blinding thing. There used to be like in the mid, in the 2007, eight, nine, was kind of the emergence of a website that many of you may know, TechCrunch. TechCrunch was critical for back then and the whole Web 2.0 movement because that was the discovery place. That's a place you could find out about stuff. That's how few things there were that you needed a spotlight to go find these things, you know, otherwise it was hard to find it. And then, after TechCrunch came Product Hunt, which is another variant now. Like, I don't even know how there could be a, a real Product Hunt or TechCrunch today because the number of companies is blinding, right? And so because of that, I thought, oh, wow, this is like the ultimate, we we'll have reached the third phase in the market where it's super mature, the entrants are going to keep coming in, and there's no way to stand out on a paid standpoint because all the arbitrage has been run out of the systems we talked mm-hmm. about. And there won't be enough money to do it in those systems. So how else are you going to do it? And so we looked and we studied history and we looked at it, how other people were able to, or other companies were able to do it in markets that look like ours, which were highly competitive, low cost of entry. And those were lessons in building brand affinity. This idea of brand building. Again, I mentioned consumer package goods. So like Tide Soap or Ivory or, you know, Perrier, look at that right? Like the importance of building a brand and that I would go to the store, this free product placement, Perrier, please send me some merchandise. Where Perrier, where I will go buy Perrier because I have some affinity to it versus I would buy, you know, some generic version of this or some variant of this. I would be less likely because this has brand affinity, even though the water could be the exact same water. I'm going to pay, you know, more for this Perrier bottle than I will for something else. That's the power of brand
1: right there. I love that. We're big LaCroix drinkers over in my house, so I won't get into the water. You said,
0: it. you said it. It's interesting. Have you ever heard the way that they actually pronounce it?
1: No. How is it? I don't know. I'm just reading it like I think I'm supposed to. What is it?
0: It's LaCroix.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: LaCroix. Uh, if you go to their website, there's an audio clip of it. On how do you pronounce it. It's from, where is it from? Michigan or I can't it's remember. Somewhere in the Midwest. It's yeah, like it's Wisconsin a midwest yeah. Yeah, It might be Wisconsin. You're right. And there's somewhere in there because everyone who popularized LaCroix were from the coast, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. French, LaCroix. And so the the guy who the CEO whatever says it, and it's the least continental pronunciation ever. It's something like Krilla Crux. Uh, so go check that out. You've learned, you're learning facts. Right, here. Learning right. what water I, just is
1: edu- I just got schooled.
0: Yes, and because of the power of the brand, this here thing that I'm holding that you could only see on YouTube is worth more. This thing right here I'm holding. Again, you can't see it unless you go to our YouTube channel. Is worth more to people than if it didn't have this on it. That's the power of brand. Look at that. Boom.
1: So early on in Drift, you saw this arbitrage opportunity Mm-hmm. With brand building brand and B2B SaaS when there's all these players, you know, hundred people on product hunt every day.
0: Oh uh, yeah. And I mean, so you
1: invested in all these things like podcasting, you know, unproven, messy, no way to measure it, building mm-hmm. events, writing a book, right? All mm-hmm. of those things <laughs> that kind of are about brand, community, drift insider, right? Nobody's doing yeah. owned communities at that time. And most of
0: the most of the things that you mentioned, if I were to start a company now, I would not do any of those things. I would not start a podcast. I would not try to build a brand in the same way that we did. Uh, I would not invest in events in the same way. I would not do all those things because now everyone has, the market has incorporated those things. The market again has squeezed the arbitrage out of those tactics and everyone is doing them. So now you have to go find something totally different.
1: So I have a couple of follow-up questions on this. The first Mm -hmm. one is all those things are very hard to measure. Mm. right? And a lot of consensus thinking about go to market and you know, generating customers and demand would say, oh, I need this funnel and I need to measure the steps, I need attribution. So how did you get past that and have confidence to, you know, invest aggressively in what you saw was an arbitrage opportunity without being able to, month over month in the early days, measure like, oh, Mm -hmm. is this driving MQLs and whatever into our funnel?
0: You know why? Because I believe in the power of conversations in conversational marketing, conversational selling. That's why. And I always found it funny. I believe in conversations, building relationships, because the way that I always knew these things were working was because people were literally telling me. Our prospects would reach out. Our fans in our community would reach out. They would message me. They would email us. They would show up at events. They would fly from around the world to come to our events and be there. And because of that, I was there and it always would make me laugh. People would ask me this question, how do you know it's working? I'm like, because a customer is telling us, look, they said this X, Y, Z, look read it right here. And then, but the, the closer that they were to this idea of attribution modeling and being a traditional marketer, demand gen marketer, no matter what I would say to them at the end of the conversation, they would always ask me one question. And that one question was, how do you know it's working? And then I would just give up. I said, I already told you they're telling us because it does not live in Google Analytics, and attribution model or some spreadsheet does not mean that something's not working, right? It's a ludicrous idea. There's so many things in your life, in your relationships that you have that you know whether something works or not. Adam could testify to some things that work or don't with his kids, with his wife, even though they don't uh, exist in an attribution
1: model. You were sitting there doing all those things and nobody's reaching out. Nobody's saying, Oh, then you would great. know, you would know, right? Because it's yeah. just crickets.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was just crazy to me because people kept asking me, How do you know it's working? They are literally telling us. They're telling me. I can show yeah. you the words, the actual words. They're saying like this I signed up because blah, 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 blah. I went to Hypergrowth, so I became a customer. That's how I know. Does that exist on some. Spreadsheet? No, but they're literally telling us. It's crazy. We're in crazy town now.
1: Don't want to go in crazy town.
0: No, they were in crazy town because people are so obsessed with measuring everything yeah. uh, that they cannot see the thing that is right in front of their eyes right. because they, they can only, their view into the world, their view into, into existence is whether something registers a click or an event that can be logged in a, in a spreadsheet somewhere or in a database.
1: Right? Right, right. Just because it doesn't go in your spreadsheet or attribution model doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You Boom, can say that exactly. better than me. You can turn that into a better tweet than I can. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll turn that into a better tweet. I you know. here's the tweet that we all want. This is the universe's only six-star rated podcast, only one, the first, the only, entire universe. Uh, I have not gone beyond this universe, so I don't know if there's another six-star worthy podcast. But don't forget to leave a rating, comment on Adam has a new camera, so I hope you're watching this on YouTube. Go on YouTube, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get get alerts whenever there's a new episode here. And you can be the first person on your block to catch up on this here Seeking Wisdom. And if anyone comments on the video on YouTube and tells me what this is that I'm holding up, I will send you this plus some hand-selected merchandise limited run that no one has. And I'm wearing some of it right now. And you can see it on YouTube. Look at that. All right. Thank you, Adam. Peace. Let me know what you thought of this episode by texting me at 1-212-380-1036. Again, 1-212-380-1036. Now, if you're looking for more leadership insights, sign up for my weekly newsletter, The One Thing, at drift.com slash dc. Every week, I'll share a habit, tool, or mental model that's helping me reach my goals. Hope to see you there. Text me. Hit me up.